0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Monty Williams with the no whammies spin. Damn, man. Woo-wee. A contract worth up to $100 million with various options and incentives. I believe the initial contract is six years, $78 million for Monty Williams to become the next head coach of not a contender, the Detroit Pistons. They want Monty to come in there and instill a new culture, uh, take the team around the bend. Oh, boy. That is really something. I don't think we had the number when we did yesterday's show, right? We knew that, we knew that, uh, Detroit was moving in that next direction. But this does kind of come back to what we started to talk about on yesterday's show, which was, I don't know that any one coach, I mean, maybe there's a couple of really sort of weird style type coaches. Uh, maybe not weird is the right word for it, but like if Mike D'Antoni came out of the blue to become a head coach for a rebuilding team, you might be like, okay, well, I'm going to look a little extra hard at the point guard here because we know the D'Antoni offense stuff. But like, what is Monty Williams going to do, at least from a playing time standpoint, that would be all that different than someone else? I don't think the answer is very much. To me, and it's point of, I guess, some small amount of argument, but I don't think a ton. To me, what this signifies is that Detroit wants to, they want consistency, continuity at their head coach spot. That's why they gave Monty a ton of money and a super long deal. A super long deal that can even get longer. They want him to grow with the pieces they have. And they want to start moving in the direction of winning. Because you're not going to pay Monty Williams whatever it ends up being, like $13 million this year, to tank again. You could pay anybody to tank for a year and then go get Monty after a year off, which it sounded like that's kind of what he wanted to do anyway. But then they gave him a Scrooge McDuck-sized money bin to get him to come in. So to that end, you can probably trust the Pistons a little bit more this coming year, but I thought we could anyway. Happy June 1st, everyone. We've entered now the third different month of the NBA offseason. I have officially lost track of how many shows we've done, especially by skipping Monday, but I'm pretty sure that this is week eight of the fantasy offseason. Today is also my 40th birthday. I feel old, I feel creaky, I feel grumpy, but mostly I feel relieved that my colonoscopy was last week and it's over. (laughs) So a great sense of relief, a calm settles over the room. The NBA Finals also return here on my birthday. Happy birthday to me, I get to watch basketball tonight, love it. Nuggets Heat, if you didn't listen to our show two days ago, we'll do a little bit of a recap on that on today's program. I also want to talk about something that we, we bring up during the season somewhat regularly, but I haven't had the opportunity to kind of deep dive why I think this point is so important. And that'll be a, I guess technically it's a lesson learned, but it's one that we already knew. So, it's a lesson uh, rehashed, I guess. I don't know. We haven't talked about it this offseason yet, at the very least. I don't think. Maybe we've hinted at it. We talked about roto games cap stuff and IL slots and head to head playoffs. We went through the old man squad. We went through the Yahoo's pre ranks. Today. The lesson to rehash is, what is the value in watching the basketball? What is the value in watching the basketball? Not the actual ball itself, but watching the games. We live in an era now where you can get almost everything you need to know via websites. You can start with something as simple as a box score. Points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, whatever. Like you can dig into the, your, just, your eight or nine categories or your points league or whatever it is. You can look at the numbers very simply on the site. Most likely that you're playing your fantasy sports. I happen to think the Basketball Monster box score page is a really uh, low intensity spot where you can pull up all the boxes at the same time. I like websites that load quickly because there isn't a whole lot on them. That's nice. text, some some light colors, gets everything in one place. I don't have to click around. ESPN and Yahoo making you watch these uh, video ads playing on the side all the time. That crap is annoying. You can get more information if you go to Basketball Reference. You can get advanced stats from Basketball Reference. You can pair that. With everything. You can get. Matchup numbers. On-off numbers. Lineup numbers. You can get almost everything. In 2023. From websites. Some of them you need to pay a subscription fee for. What's that one? Is that the Muse website that started charging like 20 bucks a month? Most people were like, nah. (laughs) But I do still strongly believe. And. You know, you, you can feel free to disagree with me on this if you like. But I feel quite strongly that there remains a certain value in actually watching your fantasy targets or players on the court. The reasons for this are numerous. And I'll actually start with a reason that... almost goes against some of our main tenets here on Fantasy NBA Today. I think it's important to watch old guys play basketball. Because you can tell the eye test does a better job in some of those situations than looking at the box scores. The eye test told us this year that Chris Paul is now finally on the actual decline. And sure, by the end of the season, we could tell that he was injured a few times and missed a few games. But it would be easy to look at the numbers and say, look, he still got 14 points. He still had nine assists. He still had one and a half steals. You know, that, uh, some of that stuff is down. But like he still took 11.3 shots per game, his three point percentage was is actually up this year over previous seasons. Free throw was, for the second year in a row, lower than you'd expect. Field goal percent was lower at 44%. All of that stuff is fine. And you can draw some conclusions from that. You might actually draw the same conclusion. But if you watched, if you watched, that's where you could see that he started to lose a quarter step. Didn't have quite the same lift, didn't have quite the same speed, didn't have quite the same shake to get the room he's always been able to get throughout his career. He just didn't quite get that same airspace as he got a little bit tighter to the rim. Now, remember in Houston, when he shot 46% one year and then 42% the next, and everybody wrote him off as cooked, a lot of what was going on there was he was taking half of his shots from three-point land. He had to move into that, call threes and layups offense, which is not really his game. This year, he took more threes, so that did play a role. But his percentage on twos was way lower than usual. That That's a big thing. And we could call it an anomaly. We could say that maybe there is a bounce back year. But look, at the end of the day, you're, you're finally starting to see those signs of decline. And if you look at other old men uh, over the last like three to five years, Kyle Lowry was one where you were able to see the beginnings of the decline. That's a reason to watch these guys straight out. That's why we were able to get off of Kyle Lowry when we did. When you're able to tell what's real versus what's a one-year aberration. Because it happens with guys. The Chris Paul stuff in Houston, one-year aberration. He came back and had three outstanding seasons after that. This time around, there was something different. He moved differently this year. Maybe you could blame it on nagging hip injuries or whatever. like. But look, if you're... If, if, you can, if you can blame something on a nagging hip injury, aren't you kind of proving that same point again? And that's not... Look, I'm not coming at you guys now and saying, like, don't draft old men anymore. Far from it. There's still that 25 to 50 range in draft windows that we've talked about a thousand times here on this show over the years. But as recently as, like, a week and a half ago, uh, this time around, guys are still falling into that pocket over and over and over and over again. And it's going to keep happening. But, understanding which guys are falling into that pocket, but still have a bunch left in the tank, versus when an old man maybe gets a little bit too old. But that's not the only reason to want to watch the ball games. Another very important reason to watch the games is, is to see how fringier players are doing on a game to game basis and how they get to that spot. I'm trying to think of a good example from this year. Who was someone that you're kind of watching seeing what they looked like on a game to game basis? Uh, let's see here. Let's go through I mean we'd have to probably go to some ADPs that are outside the top 100 to find out how these guys Push their way forward. Um, oh, I don't know. This is a hard place to find it. How about um? someone like a, a Jalen Duran or a, even a Trey Murphy is an interesting one, or a DeAnthony Melton or an Anyika Okongwu. Okay, I got there. I got to the names that I wanted to pull up here. Um, Okongwu was a great example of this. He got drafted in a lot of spots and then he got dropped in a lot of spots early in the season as someone that it appeared at least was going to have his value only when Clint Capella went down. But by watching those Hawks games over the course of this year, you started to see a comfort level with him that wasn't there at the beginning of the season, even before the fantasy value became set in stone you were able to see, oh, this is a guy that's now finding his place in this roster. These stats are coming. DeAnthony Melton is a great example of kind of the both sides of what watching the games can actually do. When certain guys were out, he performed better than when other certain guys were out, even though his role was basically the same in both, meaning the role, maybe not the best word, the starting spot. He basically got a start. Anytime anyone on that Sixers team missed a ball game, but different guys missing the game meant different things that he was able to do. When James Harden was out for whatever that was, three, four weeks early in the season, Melton's role was significantly larger than when, say, I don't know, like a Tobias Harris missed a ball game or Tyrese Maxey being out was arguably the best thing that could have happened to Melton because then they didn't have their bench gunner and he was able to take over either a starting role, but you could pivot him into different units and he got some opportunity to actually run a little bit of offense. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could look at a box score and maybe tell some of that. And if you dug deep enough into the numbers, you could probably tell that type of stuff as well. But isn't it a lot easier to just watch a game Anyway, the list goes on and on like this. So, fringy guys. Fantastic reason to watch them play to, to figure out exactly what they're doing on a basketball court and why. What about if somebody gets hot for a couple of games? Can you find out, is that a sustainable thing by watching them? Sure, you could just say, oh, well, this guy's shooting 60% for two games. That's not going to keep up. Yes, that would actually be accurate. But let's find out why it's happening. Is something different That helped push that player into a better situation. And maybe even when they cool off, they'll still have that situation. Or is this just, okay, nothing really changed. This is just purely a player on a two-game heater whose role remains exactly the same throughout. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. What about superstars? Superstars have hot and cold spells a little bit. Is there something different going on with, say, like a Carl anthony Towns this year and a Rudy Gobert? Let's go back actually. Okay, this will be an interesting case study because I don't actually remember uh I don't remember what those guys did at Where the hell is Cat on this board? All oh, right. Yeah, who moved him all around because he was hurt and then they had their second drafts or whatever you want to call it. Um beginning of this season, let's go all the way back to the first game game log. Okay, Cat's opening night game was not very good. 12-6 and 7, so there was reason for concern. Then he had 27-8 and 2 15-8 and 5, 27-11 and 5. When did he get hurt? He got hurt in uh, right at the end of November and he was kind of meh at the beginning of the year. What about Gobert? Gobert actually I think started the year Pretty well, if I recall, and then kind of petered. At, yeah, he had 23 and 16 in their opening night game. Nine and 23, 15 and 15. Three, the first three games of the year for Gobert were really, really good, and he had a 20-20 game in game six. But what if you had watched those games? What would you have seen? Would you have seen a team? that, first of all, uh, was playing okay, actually, in those ball games, but played the Thunder twice, the Jazz, the Spurs twice in there. Spurs three times, actually, in their first seven games of the year. A Lakers team that could not do anything right. What were you able to figure out by watching those as opposed to something else? Well, right out of the shoot, you could tell Rudy was going to have a big impact on Cat. Game one, you could see it. You could get that from the box score, yeah. I know what you're saying. Dan, like, you're explaining something that you could actually pull away from it. But there is an inherent value in understanding why certain things are happening. So at almost every juncture on this, that example maybe wasn't the best because it was, I guess, fairly obvious in the box scores. But it also may have overemphasized what Gobert was going to be able to do. If you look just at the box. All that to say, when you watch these games, you get an idea of how things are shaking out. Personally, and I I wanted to come up with some examples from different avenues that this could go. But personally, my favorite reason to watch the actual action on the court in these games So enough of the, like, trying to please everybody part of the podcast. I feel that the best reason to have those games on is to watch the fringe guys. Those are the guys where you start to see their roles change. It's not always quite as obvious as, like, Walker Kessler, who slid into the starting lineup and it was like, okay, awesome. He's a starter now. Pick him up don't worry about happen- what happens the rest of the way. But what it did tell us about Walker was even once he got moved back to the bench, all he needed was like 21, 22 minutes because we now got to see what he was doing. Jalen Duran, another kind of similar example, he got pushed into the starting five. That's an ad. That's an easier call to make. You didn't necessarily have to watch what they did in their first game as a starter, although it would have been fun, I think, to see each of them do it. To me... Uh, Someone more like an Okonwu is a a better example from this season of a guy coming off the bench. He's like teetering in and out of having fantasy value. You're trying to figure out, is this a thing that's actually going to make sense over a longer haul? Uh, And by watching, you get a better example of, yeah. This is a team that on night to night can oftentimes look better. Um, And it can go the other way as well. You know, you can see fringy guys where you're like, "Eh, I don't think that I'm going to believe what I'm seeing. Someone like a... Oh, who's a good example? Uh, Cole Anthony is a good example, I think. No, maybe not. This year, there weren't quite as many. You didn't have uh, the the fringe guys that were sort of like on and off quite as much this year. I know that's a weird thing to say for this season, but only a a handful where in some seasons you're watching this stuff and you're like, okay, this is a guy who's turning the corner. Do we want to get out in front of it? Do we want to lag behind a little bit? So all that to say, can you get through like, I don't know, uh, 90% of what you'd need to pull from a box? Yeah, you can, actually. And I know that this show usually is all about saying like trying to simplify things. You can still be a damn fine competitive fantasy basketball player by only checking boxes and advanced stats and all that good stuff. But is there a 10% edge you get by watching certain things? Hell yes. And here's... Okay, so I got to turn back the clock a little bit. The year is 2019. Dan Bespris comes out with a new Twitter feature called... What to watch for. Yeah, I know. Many of you started find found me long after that was a thing that existed that now a number of different analysts are doing something along those same lines. But I will remind you all, I did the first one. And I think it was four years ago. I might have that date wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was before COVID. But here's where things have been... And I'm, I'm guilty of this, by the way, because I've started to do it as well. So Twitter has become such that, like, the more you're able to just mash stuff into people's faces, the more things you'll pop up on the, uh, you know, the for you feeds for everybody. And you can find new followers that way. And so everybody's just hammer tweeting all the time now. I'm guilty of this. Like I said. But four years ago, or whenever the hell I came up with this idea for the What to Watch For, because at that point, I was like, okay, what are the things that are missing in the Twitter sphere that I can add? Five, six years ago, I started doing the the nightly recaps. That was ages ago. And then you're getting that from a lot of different folks now as well. But I think most people remember me as the guy who um, came up with the with the with the tweet storm at the end of the night. finishing up the thing well i also started a what to watch for thing now here's where things have i think on the what to watch for gone awry a little bit what to watch for has for almost all of the analysts out there again myself included so i don't want you guys thinking that i'm like taking pot shots here very much not the case We've started, we've turned what to watch for into what to check on, which just doesn't have the same juice anymore. Some of you might remember this. Others, this will be the first time you've heard this. When I started what to watch for on the Twitters, however many years ago that was, four years ago, I think, it was supposed to be what I was actually watching Like physically watching for. So it couldn't be 10, 15, 20 things on a given card because no one can watch that many basketball games at the same time. You can't. And if you have one child, as I did then, or two children now, you very much can't watch that many basketball games at the same time. At least when I only had one kid, I could probably watch like two games at the same time. Now it's like you better pick your favorite at any time slot and it's going to be on and you're going to be chasing somebody. But again, 4 years ago, that tweet was meant to indicate to all of you guys, here are the like the two or three biggest things that I'm paying attention to on a given nightly card. Is there a particular one player who was maybe vastly overachieving or underachieving and I wanted to try to find out why? Is this a buy? Is this a buy low sell high situation? Okay, that's one. Oh, here's this guy who's suddenly playing 27 minutes off the bench for Team X. Is this a sustainable thing? Is this something they want to make a, a bigger deal of? Like, did this player get 27 minutes in his last ball game? He only put up 9 points, 5 boards, and a steal, so nobody was paying attention to it. But was it super quiet because he shot 3 for 12 in that game? Is this guy actually going to get 12 shots in his bench minutes every single night? Because if so... That nine points might be more like 14 or 15 when the dust settles. Is this someone where we could get out in front of it? I needed to see that on my screen because if that dude played 14 minutes in the first half, I might jump on that dude at halftime as a pickup. Forget waiting for the end of the night and the box score and everybody else to go through the same information. What to watch for was physically, again, what I was watching on my TV for. On that night. Well, now, I don't know when I did it. I don't know when I did it, when we all did it. We've turned what to watch for into this comprehensive book of all the things that might happen in a given night. I don't actually think that's that helpful anymore. You know, even if you're tracking like a buy low, sell high, there can't be like 15 of these all happening at the same time. We don't need two to three stories from every single team playing a seven-game card, 14 teams. I don't need 30 things that I'm paying attention to. Okay, look, here's the thing. At the end of the night, I am going to go back and I'm going to look at all of those 30 things. Those are 30 things that I'm going to check in on throughout the night or at the end of the night. But I can't watch all of those things as they develop. And frankly, if there's... uh, A number of, like, a a buy low, sell high situation is a really important one. If you watched Terry Rozier early this season, you would have seen that he was largely doing the same old stuff, but he didn't have a point guard to get him any decent looks. If you saw Cat, you would have seen a guy who just wasn't going to get to do as much. Not that Rozier ever got all the way back to where he needed to be, but he went on a pretty fr- furious run in the middle of the season when LaMelo was actually healthy, and he could play off of him. Let's forget for a minute that Cat missed four months. That's kind of not the point. But you can't also have, like... I can't think of a great example because you're trying to come up with like seven different teams all playing at the same time. You're like, okay, I'm watching these th- three guys on the Spurs and I'm watching these four guys on the Grizzlies and these two guys on the Lakers and these two guys on the Clippers. And it's like, you can't watch all that stuff. Some of these things are just going to have to be a little bit lower on the totem pole and they're going to have to be the things that you check in on at some point during the game throughout the night or whatever at the end of the night. The things you're watching, what to watch for is the stuff that I had on my television. And that's those are those little areas where seeing something in real time, seeing how a player is moving, shooting, reacting, that can give you that little 10% edge. So this year, I'm going to do the following I'm going to turn my own what to watch fors back into the top. Stories, meaning the things that I will be physically watching with mine eyeballs happening in real time. This is the stuff I'm going to have on my TV, and I'm staring it down because there's a decision that I want to make about it in the next couple of hours. I might also have a supplementary tweet, or maybe it's part of a thread that's like, okay, these are the things I'm going to check in on at the end of the night. Because in my estimation, it actually does help you guys to know which are the things that are at the top of my priority totem totem pole, and which are the things that are one rung down. Even if they're all going to be things that ultimately I'm paying attention to over the course of a given day, some stuff floats to the top. I always think about uh, that Bill Murray movie, The Man Who Knew Too Little. And there's that scene where uh, there's a bunch of poop references for disposing of a dead body. And the guy says he knows how to deal with floaters. And Bill Murray, of course, is thinking about a dump. Anyway, that's what's rising to the top. That's what's not rising to the top in this particular case. That movie, by the way, pretty damn funny. Um, basketball, back tonight. Obviously in honor of my birthday. That's the only reason that they would do that. So let's enjoy it. My thoughts on the game has not changed from two days ago, so I'm not going to do a full recap, rehash there. I still lean towards the over. Uh, I still think the Nuggets have a good chance to take game one here, but the line is uh, likely a little bit too rich for my blood. Miami is likely to be uh, a little bit fatigued after their seven-game series, and traveling into altitude is also going to be a little part of it. Uh, But I, I do lean towards the over more than anything else. If you like anything Miami-related, you probably wait until Game 2. If you like things that are Nuggets-related, you probably look at them right now. Happy to talk to you about any of that stuff over on the Twitters. That is at Dan DanBespers over there. Hey, remember, Father's Day is coming up. I told you about it yesterday. Check out the brand-new Beard Hedger over at Manscaped.com. Get one today with promo code ETHOS20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your Manscaped.com order Very happy that they are back with us. Very happy that they were kind enough to actually send me a beard hedger. I'm growing out my facial hair again right now. As soon as it gets long enough, I'll tell you exactly how that bad boy works. But you know what? I have all the confidence in the world that it's going to be the same quality as all of the other awesome stuff over at Manscaped, including the lawnmower Mower 4 and 3.0 and their amazing luxury nail kit, which, by the way, continues to be stolen by my wife because she no longer likes her own nail kit. She likes using my Manscaped nail kit as well. What are you going to do, man? Manscaped.com, promo code ethos20. Get something for Father's Day over there right now for the father figure in your life or any dad you might know. Surely you know at least someone who's a dad. Get them a Manscaped product. They're going to love it. It's great stuff. And uh, again, thank you to Manscaped for coming on and partnering with us here on Fantasy NBA Today. Enjoy the ball game tonight. Enjoy your Thursday. We'll wrap up the week tomorrow when we dig into the next team on our team recap board, which is the the Dan Besper's mouth drum roll, Atlanta Hawks. Boy, we're right in the middle of these clubs right now, aren't we? The real, I'd say it's the the meat, but no, the middle of this sandwich is not the meat. But we got thoughts. I got Hawks thoughts. We also might have new hosts for our Atlanta Hawks podcast. That's exciting. Uh, if you want to take over hosting our Nets show, reach out to me. I don't know if we got any Nets diehards listening here in the offseason of Fantasy NBA today, but reach out to Dan, that's me, at Dan Vespers on Twitter, and we'll get you hooked up over there. Okay, so long for now. Back at you tomorrow, everybody. Too blue.